coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. Because you got to have those tough conversations, conversations that take you out of your comfort zone. The police, law enforcement is not equipped, in Odell's opinion, to handle every situation. And he looked at me and it was very interesting. He said, I don't like you. I said, why? You don't know me. He said, you epitomize white privilege to me. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, Even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, Bill? Not one. Come on, Bill, you got to have one, a token black person, a token. And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids. And I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Dear Heavenly Father, just uh, thank you for bringing our guest into our life. Zach has done amazing things for this city and for his family. Uh, We're excited to hear his story. Lord, we lift up our families during this holiday season. Keep them safe as we travel about. Watch over us and watch over our great city of Greensboro. Amen. Father God, we just say thank you as we continue to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. And just to see the people coming out again, celebrating and just singing and enjoying downtown. And, ah, boy, it's just so different than it was a year ago. So we just thank you for leaders and leadership who make decisions, God, that affect so many people. And thank you for our leader today on the show. In Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen. And if I can just add, uh, dear Lord, thank you for always being with me, giving me guidance, giving me wisdom, giving me help. Uh, Take care of my wife who was by your side, who is always watching over us. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Good morning, Odell. How are you doing this morning? Doing pretty good, Bill. Doing pretty good. You know, like I said before, um, it's just good. It's good to be this time of year. You know, this is my wife and my favorite time of year. So many memories of Christmas, so many memories of the holidays. And it's interesting that, you know, growing up poor, you have certain memories. And now that you have one or two pennies to rub together, you still have memories, but it's a different experience during the holidays. How's yours? It was good. What's your greatest memory from Christmas? You know, the bad thing about it is that it's negative. I wanted what I call a rock'em sock'em robot. You know, I don't I don't know if you remember those. Oh, I do. I do. I, I always wanted one. I never, we never could afford one. We never got one. And then years later, years later, I guess my kids and my families got so tired of me talking about that story that they bought me a rock'em sock'em robot, Bill. And I have that rock'em sock'em robot in my office um, never opened it up. So, you know, I have it in my office, so I'll show it to you later on, but I have a rock'em sock'em robot 
I know it's crazy, but you know, it is what it is. You never played with it? Never played with it. It's wow. still in the box. And I'm sure one day when I'm dead and go, somebody opens it up or whatever. I don't know. Well, I, I, we, we got one. I don't know where we got one when we were a kid and we had more fun. You know, I, I have five brothers, so we took turns knocking rock them, suck them, robot and you pop the head off and yeah, uh, that was, knock his block off. Knock yeah, the block off. Yeah. I remember and that. There was a certain, certain technique of the punch under the chin that would pop that thing off. Once you learn that technique, I guess it was our version of video games. Ah, sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds yeah. good. Well, my favorite is um, getting excited about the Christmas tree. You know, we had eight kids, so we didn't have a lot of money. My dad was a fireman, uh, but we all had presents. And he would take us to the local Kresge's and give us each $20 or $10. I can't remember. And our job was to go shopping for Christmas presents for our brothers, our sisters, and my mom. And uh, so we had about $20 to do it. So you can imagine the type of things we picked up. <laughs> And, uh, but then the, the, after we did that shopping, that was so exciting. Uh, he would take us to the lunch counter and we'd get a hot dog and a milkshake. And that was, I, man, when that was, I was in high heaven then. And, uh, that was a fun time. Well, you know, it's interesting. You were telling me something and I didn't get the chance to go cause I was down with my mother, but you were telling me about Greensboro, downtown Greensboro. Oh Share more of that. With the yeah. Audience. Boy, I, we, Dory and I, my wife and I, uh, they were lighting the Christmas tree. She said, let's go down and do that. So, you know, we didn't know what to expect, but when we got down there, they had the streets blocked off. People were walking in the streets. They had music about every 50 yards, maybe or less, just bands and, and dance routines and singers. And must've been, I don't know how many, maybe 15 or 20 of those. And then uh, I don't know how many people were when Zach gets on, maybe they did a head count, but it was in the thousands that we had downtown. It was a nice warm day. People were walking around happy. Uh, I, uh, I, the, the, all the restaurants were open and people sitting on the side. It was, is a festive day. And I think then the following day they did, uh, that Sunday, they did the, uh, Christmas parade downtown as well. And we had some boy scouts marching in that. I got some pictures of that. So it was a great event. So let's bring our guest in Zach and, uh, start talking about downtown Greensboro and uh, his political career and a few other things. Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thank y'all for having me. Uh, I got to tell you, Odell, I don't want to speak too loud, but this year, my kids are getting a rock'em sock'em. <laughs> it is in my closet right now. Is it really? Wow. Yes. I did. I didn't know that Zach. I, I didn't know that, you know, it's interesting we just want to thank you for what you've done. And, you know, we know back in 2015, um, you left the council and went to head downtown, you know, downtown Greensboro. Why would you do that? You know, I had always had a passion for downtown. Um, I had served eight years on the council at that time. I always believed that, you know, it's sometimes it's time to step away and focus uh, I had a growing family at the time. My daughter was one year old. Uh, my son was three and I had an older one as well. And so it's just time to focus. And so uh, I chose to, to seize the opportunity, seize the day, as they say, and uh, try to give my talents to something I was passionate about. Well, you know, that, explain what downtown Greensboro, because me and Bill were talking about it. Explain what downtown Greensboro is, because people listen to us all over the country and other countries. So what is downtown Greensboro? First of all, Greensboro is a city of about 
315,000 people. In our metro, we have about a million and a half people. And so downtown Greensboro represents the core, the hub, the heartbeat of the city of Greensboro. You know, we're a city that is unlike most. We don't have a, a highway or an interstate or a major road that uh, attaches to our downtown. And so we, to be able to build up the core of your downtown uh, takes a little bit of a challenge. And so uh, Greensboro is a great city and a great state. Um, and, and downtown Greensboro is a little bit unique in that regard. You know, it's got to be a tough job because you've got all those merchants down there, all those developers down there. So you probably have about 150 to 200 bosses asking for different things. And then you've got the city council on top of that and the city of Greensboro. So how do you balance all that? Yeah, I'm a doer. That's just my nature. Uh, we were talking about growing up um, and I was talking about this last night. I, I, I was, I had four jobs when I was in high school. Uh, you know, I, I used to wash people's car. I was a lifeguard. I was a landscape person. I, I used to teach kids swimming. You just do because that's what you have to do to survive. And, and having that many bosses, let's just say I got some unique emails this morning that I'm going to have to respond to. Um, it's tough, but you just treat people like y'all show. You know, you try to find some type of common ground. You treat people with respect and dignity. And even though you don't agree on everything, if you're honest and you give them, you know, some type of respect, then you just move on to the next show. And, and that's what we try to do in downtown because, you know, downtown is everybody's downtown. It is everybody's downtown. And so uh, you just treat people with respect. And that's, that's my core. Yeah. You know, I, after we had the riots downtown, they, they broke all the glass. Uh, I went down with Josh Ben Gideon, the rabbi in town, and we went down just to kind of give moral support, maybe even buy some stuff to support the people. And I noticed you running around, talking to the merchants, talking to everybody. You were working hard in in that environment, and I appreciate you doing that. Ah, thank you. Yeah, that was a tough time. You know, it's a tough time because if you think about what what caused the civil unrest. You know, a man lost his life in Minnesota. Um, th that was a, a tough time for everybody. Um, and then you've got the, the people and then the property and then the destruction, but the pain that people were having. And so that's a typical case of trying to find that common ground, trying to find how you can be there for both the people that are experiencing the pain and the people that are experiencing the pain for their businesses. And we were able to accomplish that. And I had the city council's help. We got a grant of $250,000 to help repay the property and business owners that did have the, the um, destruction, but we're also be able to hold hands for those that were experiencing the pain. And some of that artwork that was on the boarded uh, windows is in the Greensboro History Museum today. Wow. So it went from negative to a positive in, in many regards. And I think it brought people together in a way that wouldn't have done it otherwise, because they all were suffering the same common cause, common issue. They were they they had damage to their property and traumatized by that. Yeah. And, and you know, 
One of the things on that, Bill and Odell, and Odell, you and I have known each other for many years. Some of the outcomes of, of the occurrences of May 30th and 31st of 2020. Um, so there's artwork on our streets, um, you know, murals, Black Lives Matter, One Love. And what I carry today is murals are fine. Murals are good, but you can't just paint a mural and think that everything's fixed. Mm. That's not, that's not fixing it. You've got to continue the conversation. You got to continue the respect uh, for each other. And you got to find, again, y'all shows named appropriately the common ground. Um, and, and that's something I carry today. And my staff at downtown Greensboro carries today is murals are fine, but that doesn't fix the pain. That's, that's a band-aid. We got to well fix said. and find it. Well said. Well said. You're right. Because you got to have those tough conversations, conversations that take you out of your comfort zone and look for common ground in some, in, in that other person that, you know, you, 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 on the surface until you start having, you know, Odell always says it's, it's really tough to hate face to face and have a conversation. It's easy from a distance on Facebook or whatever social media, but when you get in for, meet to somebody and you actually sit down and break bread with them or have a cup of coffee and find out, you know, their human side and where they're coming from. You know, I took a class called other voices in town. Wow. Did that change my lens? On, on how I look at a number of social issues uh, that come through it. Have you been through that one? I haven't, uh, not yet. And I wanted to this time, but the meeting schedule didn't work for me, but I promised the chamber that I would do it next year. Okay, good. Uh, my wife went through it and she, it was all zoom. So it, it and it works, uh, but it's not as good as if we're sitting around in a circle talking about these issues and the diverse group that they bring in, um, is pretty interesting. We we, uh, we had a discussion. One of the first discussions was on racism, and uh, they talked about uh, white privilege. And you want to see? We had a couple of white guys there. Their back got up because they said, "Wait a minute! I grew up in West Virginia. No water. You know, you know the story." And uh, by the end of three days, they saw it wasn't white privilege; it was white advantage. They had an advantage over someone else that uh, they could walk into some place and get a job or get in an interview at least where other places they couldn't. Zach, uh, I have a friend of mine who I respect dearly and he respects you. And it's interesting. He didn't know that I really knew you, but Pastor Joe Fryson, he talks about it. Like you stated, we have relationships from years ago. I remember uh, you, me and some other community leaders talked about when the shooting in Charleston, Mother Emanuel, we talked about how could we pr be proactive to have some of these tough conversations before it comes to our community. Well, Pastor Joe Fries has said he's had some conversations with you also. And as you know, Pastor Joe's a Democrat and you all don't agree on everything, but none of us agree on anything. But what I've always admired about you, sir, is the fact that you're willing to talk and listen and learn and not one of these uh, politicians who say, yeah, 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 when they're in front of you, but they go on and do something else. One of the things that I admire, I, I met, I had coffee with Keith Holiday, a gentleman who works with you, I work for you, um, in front of Green Bean. And he shared with me uh, this project that you all are working on. And Bill, is something like this. Downtown Greensboro has a lot of residents. Again, it's everyone's downtown. 
let's say that someone's down there in mental health distress or whatever, the police, law enforcement is not equipped, in Odell's opinion, to handle every situation. So I think under Zach's leadership, and Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm getting ahead of myself, we could talk about this later. You all will come up with a program to work with, I don't want to say ambassadors, but something where they could kind of come in and defuse the situation so it's not really a policeman, law enforcement type thing. Can you comment on that or is that still undercover? Uh, it's not undercover anymore. You just took the cover off. <laughs> Uh, breaking news breaking news on the common ground podcast zach Matheny is running for state senator you know da, 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 da. <laughs> that's right you know we call them the ambassador team we the hospitality team and you know odell these folks I'll, I'll tell you we've got eight women and men uh on the team right now and two of which experienced homelessness themselves wow we're paying a respectable wage for these folks. They take pride in what they do. And it, it stemmed a little bit out of Chief Brian James. Chief James uh, walked out of police headquarters to go to Cheesecakes by Alex. And for folks listening, that's about maybe a three block walk. So he walks out of police headquarters and somebody comes and asks him where the courthouse is. And then somebody asks him where the restaurant is. And he walked 10 more feet and somebody asked him where to pay their, their, their water bill. He went back into the office, got in his police car, and drove to Alex's because he just wanted a cup of coffee. <laughs> so that tells us that, you know, we've got more and more folks. We've got about 2 million people that visit downtown Greensboro today, every year. 2 million people every year. And with the Tanger Performing Arts Center, that's going to be more. And so these folks are geared to be hospitalized the hospitality to let folks help. Now I'll tell you, Odell, that in the last two weeks, they have helped six people get off the street. Wow. That's great. Wow. It's, it's incredible. And the, the compassion that the folks that they have, you know, they, they, they understand the pain and they also understand they were telling a story to me the other day. Homelessness doesn't happen overnight. It takes a long time to get to the point where you have lost your home and, and need that help. And these folks are able to understand that, to get down on the ground with them, talk to them. And they've changed at minimum six people's lives while also being the, the faces of downtown Greensboro. I haven't seen a story about that in the news record. I haven't seen, heard anything about that. You just on the broke media. it. Well, okay. but we need to know that. How will we identify those individuals? How will people know? Is Do they have a special uniform or anything like that? They do. They've got a, they've got blue shirts. They've got hats with our uh, logo on it. And oh, the back perfect. of their shirts say, ask us downtown hospitality team. But wow. to your point, uh, my, my board of directors is pushing me to get that story out. I just wanted to make sure we had some success first and it's overwhelmingly exceeded my expectations. Man. Well, you know, crime, crime, um, what's the word? Panhandling, all those things makes a downtown or any place 
not as desirable as other things. You've done a, not you only, but part of your leadership has done a real good job of that. Explain to our listening audience why and how you've been so successful, sir. I, I go back to the name of y'all's show, Common Ground. You know, you've got to, and I tried to do this as an elected official. I, I tried to I bring this mentality as the leader of downtown Greensboro. My mom was a school teacher. Uh, my dad worked with folks that were uh, incarcerated to try to find a job after their incarceration. You know, it was interesting. I met with, after the civil unrest in May 30, 31st of last year, um, I reached out to the NAACP director, the president, um, and he looked at me and it was very interesting. He said, I don't like you. I said, why? You don't know me. He said, you epitomize white privilege to me, to your point, Bill. And once he got to know me and know my background, he said, oh, okay, all right. I still might not agree with you, but we're good. And it's finding that common ground and treating people with respect. And I think that, you know, we've done that downtown uh, for the tree lighting. We had about 60,000 plus people. Wow. All kinds of nationalities. And I think now is the time that I can also bring that common ground back to city council and as as a leader in our city are you announcing that you're running what did i just hear what did i just hear sir i did i I filed for city council the district that i represented for eight years uh i I filed yesterday and it was it's good because uh i've had tremendous uh support that that from my board as well as folks downtown to say you can do both you can run downtown Greensboro and you can give your passion for the city of Greensboro. So absolutely. I want to represent the district three and the Greensboro city council. again. Well, congratulations. And uh, look forward to uh, seeing you in city council. Uh, I, I look forward to bringing the talents that I've, I've, I've earned and learned over the last 21 years of being in Greensboro and guys, you know, uh, for folks that don't know Greensboro, Greensboro is a loving city and and i've tested that sometimes in the past but i've learned that greensboro and the people here are caring people and they've done so much for me and my family mm-hmm. it's been phenomenal yeah well zach you know uh people can't see you but maybe why some people have challenges with you not me the good looking black guy but you know you did the um the working out in the yard per se, landscaping, you did the lifeguard. So, you know, you, you're tall, dark, and handsome. So maybe that's what it is, Zach. Maybe the fact that <laughs> the, the tall, dark, and handsome part of it. But Bill's going to talk to you a little bit about your personal life. But I want to ask one question before we go there. The International Civil Rights Center Museum is an integral part of downtown Greensboro and the country and the world from a Black and white person perspective. I think they have an opportunity to move into an adjacent building or not move into, but also partner there with the old bank. Are you familiar with that? I, I'm not familiar with them moving into it. Um, now, I, I will tell you this, Odell. Um, I talked to Skip Austin, who's one of the co-founders of the Civil Rights Museum, and John Swain, the, the executive director, Here's some more breaking news. I'm 
we are working with the Civil Rights Museum, North Carolina A&T State University, the largest HBCU in the country. Aggie Pride. Aggie Pride. Um, we are working together with the city and the county and the Civil Rights Museum and A&T. Our goal, especially to connect the A&T 4 with downtown Greensboro and A&T with downtown Greensboro, we are working together to trace the footsteps of the A&T 4, the exact path that they took from their dorm room over 60 years ago to the Woolworths building. And we want to bronze those footsteps along wow. the sidewalks to the Woolworths building. And the vision that we have for this is similar to walking the bridge at Selma, Alabama. Wow. I, I envision doing this and people coming and walking those footsteps, coming to the Civil Rights Museum. And I think that people across the world will come to this. And so we, we I, I mentioned this to Mr. Alston. Uh, he's excited about it. John Swain's excited about it. And now we're going to try to pull the funding together to, to I call it walk the walk. How much will funding, estimated funding, what is it going to cost to make this happen? I would pitch it at probably about five hundred dollars to $600,000. All right. And All I, right. I bet we get that done by the end of January. Hey, listen, I would love to have a cup of coffee with you and see how I may or people who I know can help. We can do something. We can't do the whole thing. We don't have Bill Goebel's money, but we could do something. <laughs> Well, that's a good point. Uh, not about Bill Goebel's money, but Zach, <laughs> people want to contribute. Like if I wanted to contribute, how would I go about this? Is there a website or is there, or how do we do that? Listen, you guys are getting breaking news here. Uh, it's I, not even I, set up. <laughs> I got a draft email in my, I, I got a sin pulling everybody together. So if, if folks do want to contribute to walk the walk, I would encourage you to uh, make the check to downtown Greensboro foundation. That's a tax write-off. We can get you the tax write-off. All proceeds would go to Walk the Walk, uh, and we would love to have the support. And, and honestly, it's kind of like running a campaign. Any amount counts. If it's a dollar, that's fantastic. The more I would rather have $500,000 checks than one $500,000 check because if you write something for $1, you believe in it, you want to see it come to fruition and you want to walk that walk. So that's the downtown Greensboro foundation folks. And right in the memo line, walk the walk contribution. And uh, you'll be part of this uh, exciting, exciting event, man. This is terrific news. Uh, and thank you for sharing it with us. That's wow. You know, I was going to share something a little, another breaking news from our standpoint is uh, up in, uh, you know, I'm involved in the boy Scouts and our Atlanta council, has been done doing this youth protection symposium for eight years. They bring 300 people in and uh, agencies and youth groups, and they share uh, best practices and resources. And uh, so they're kind of a clearinghouse for uh, if somebody has a youth protection issue, what do I do? Who do I call? How do I handle it? Uh, so the scouts down there basically have an 800 number. They call and they give them advice um, where they, where they should go. So we're going to do start initiating that in Greensboro. Uh, but we're going to include uh, I'm in charge of North Carolina, South Carolina, Southern Virginia, Northern Georgia, all those consuls. So what we're going to do is we're going to hold it at the civil rights museum. 
and do this symposium. And then we're going to simulcast it to the other 20 consoles. And I'm waiting to talk to Skip Alston on it. I talked to John Swain. He said, yeah, it's going to be September of next year. I'll keep you in the loop, Zach. One of the reasons we want to do it downtown is to bring more people downtown for, and make down and, this, and also give the Civil Rights Museum uh, some free publicity in the 20 consoles that I represent because it's a destination location. Uh, you go through that. It, it, it The tours they give are life-changing. Some of the things you... I didn't know about that. I looked at and, uh, and said, Holy cow, this was Jim Crow was real. It was real. It wasn't just a story. So Zach, um, thanks for sharing all this breaking news. You got anything else you want to give breaking news since we're on a roll here? <laughs> Y'all are just good at pulling it out of me. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's the good looking black man that can do that. He's done that to me a number of times, you know, you, but you know, I do want to talk to you about, something that is uh, had a big impact on me uh, watching you support your wife as she went through her journey uh, with cancer and she had passed in your family. You have, I think two kids, correct? Well, three, three, I've got a stepson. That's mine. As, as I tell folks, I pay the rent. So he's mine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. We'll go with three then. The, uh, but share, share with us that journey and, uh, and uh, how you got through it. You know, we had just come from a beach trip, uh, a fabulous week at the beach with the family and friends. Um, and my, my wife felt uh, a little something wasn't quite right. And, and you know, it's interesting because my wife always, she was a tough lady. She was tough meaning She's a mom. Women mothers are insanely tough. Um, and so, and she wasn't one that usually went to the doctor. And after about four or five days, she realized that something wasn't quite right. And, and she had some yellowing in the eyes. And so she listened to one of her friends and she went to the doctor. And the doctor, obviously, the blood charts were off the, the, the charts. Um, and we thought it was just like a gallbladder or something like that. So we went to the hospital and uh, she was found out that she had a, a tumor in her pancreas, which pancreatic cancer, um, Alex Trebek, um, you know, many, many others uh, have suffered from um, pancreatic cancer. And, you know, it was a tough journey. Uh, she was incredible. Uh, she was such a loving person and my kids, we pray about her every night watching over us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just, we, we maintained hope in everything we did. And I'll tell you that our marriage uh, was stronger through, even through the time that she was sick and having that faith in each other and loving her living life. You've got to live life to the fullest. We've only got one shot and it's a short time. And if you look at our Instagram or Facebook pages, you would see that my wife and I, through her illness, had love and life to the fullest. And and that's what we did. Um, My son and I, my stepson, which is her son from her first marriage, uh, held our hand the day that she passed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, up until the past, uh, that day, we just told her how much we loved her and that we were there with her, uh, and that's the best you can do. And when I tell my friends, uh, 
when I see them and maybe I'm on the golf course, which I, I don't play quite as much as I used to, but when I'm with my friends, uh, I tell them, make sure you're treating your wife with love because she is allowing you to come play golf today, five hours away from your kids. And she's doing the work. Make sure you buy her flowers. And I still buy flowers every week. I did for my wife and I keep uh, live flowers with our family. Um, my daughter, who's nine now, she lost her mom at, at seven years old. Mm. Uh, and that was the, probably one of the toughest things. Uh, but I'll tell you, and we started this show with prayer. I'll tell you, when I told my kids, seven and at the time, nine, uh, that their mom wasn't here in life anymore. I didn't know, I never prepared for that moment. But little did I know that I did prepare. And it was through the prayer that we did every night. And we would pray every night that God would take care of mom. That was what we did every night that God would take care of mom. And so when I went to tell my kids, my son was sitting on my left leg. My daughter was sitting on my right. I said, guys, do you remember what we pray for every night? That God would take care of mom. God has decided that he needed mommy in heaven to take care of her better. And, and while I didn't know that I prepared for that moment, I did. And I know that both of them are with me when I did. Wow. What a great story, Zach. What a great story. You know, folks, uh, you don't realize how deep some of the waters run in people until they, you sit down and have a chat with them. And, you know, I see Zach from a distance and uh, are you Italian? No, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, French. He's you're French, really. Yep. Wow. And uh, but you know, he's got this great head of black hair, and I see him from a distance. I go, man, there's there's a good looking guy. And uh, but you don't know the background and the stories that go with it. And uh, so you know, you, you see somebody from a distance, and it's it, it's just mind blowing what you've done. Not only but you never dad. know also what somebody is experiencing. That's right. Right. And I remember one time I came out of Smith Street Diner, a restaurant we had downtown Greensboro. And I came out and a, a gentleman looked at me and said, how you doing? And honestly, my wife had just gone through chemo. Um, we Not too long after we had surgery and they couldn't get the tumor. And my response was, I'm okay. I'm okay. And he looked at me like, what do you mean you're okay? You should be great. It's a wonderful day. And I'm like, buddy, you have no idea. <laughs> the fact that I'm okay is great. <laughs> exactly. And, and, it, and I, I sat down and I wrote a note. And, and, you know, the notes that I would write to folks through our journey was you just never know. I went to Dear Evan Hansen, a Broadway show last night. And it really has to deal with mental illness. And it brought tears to my eyes. Literally, they were streaming down my face. It deals with death. It deals with mental illness. You just never know uh, what somebody's going through. And again, it goes back to we've just got to respect each other. Well said. Well said. You know, the uh, you know, you leave me speechless, which doesn't happen too often uh, because of the journey that you took 
the life journey you, you took and also your children took with you and the experience they had that uh, God's going to use it in a powerful way. I, I, I can see that. And uh, I'm proud to call you uh, a new friend. And uh, when I see you on the street, I will ask you how you're doing. And if you yeah. say good, I'll know that's great. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> you know, when you start take, thinking about downtown Greensboro, the concept of heads, H-E-A-D-S, in beds, B-E-D-S, you know, I have to explain that because I have a Geechee Gala accent and the tax dollars associated with it. When you talk about um, per capita income and, you know, the whole idea of Toyota Motor Corporation, $1.3 billion electric vehicle battery manufacturing plant just right down the road. And we start talking about downtown in December, along with the Tangler Center. Man, there's a lot of good stuff happening, Zach, and you're right in the middle of it. How do you feel about all that? And you had to navigate all that while you had your personal journey that you just talked about. How did you handle all that, my friend? You know, it is a lot. Um, life is a lot. And, and I remember somebody telling me a long time ago that I said, thank you for something that they did for me. And he responded, life is a team sport. And I look at that and I looked at my team this week and last week. Like when you see 60,000 people, white, black, Hispanic, Latino, you know, Asian, all, all nationalities singing holiday carols, silent night, shoulder to shoulder beside each other, and then strolling down the street to support our businesses. You are building community. Like there are very few organizations that build community like we have done in downtown Greensboro. And that feeling of, of, of giving something to others is it's the thing that motivates me the most. It's the thing that just drives me. How can I make a positive impact in somebody else's life? And it was very interesting because I'll tell you, uh, fun fourth, uh, last July 4th, which we celebrate as our um, national holiday. That's a tough event. You got 80,000 plus people coming downtown. You got all these things going on. It's a tough event to plan. It's stressful. You, your staff is having to work on a national holiday. Um, and then I had a lady come up behind me and, and I don't know who knows me. I don't even know why they would know me. Like you said, you can't see me right now. This lady came, came up to me in broken English, um, Hispanic. And she said, thank you for what you do for the community. If that doesn't drive you to want to do more, I don't know what does. Yeah. I said, fine, we'll do fun fourth for the next 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is a great story. You know, when I was walking around uh, Greensboro for the Christmas tree lighting, did you have your ambassadors out in the streets then? We did. Because about three of them uh, I noticed, and they were they were uh, actively asking people, can we help you find something? Yeah. And I was like, that is very cool. And the way mm -hmm. I noticed them was they had the blue shirts on. Not sure about the hats, but I definitely saw the shirts. And then uh, I bumped into the Chief James. He was walking around. Now, he looked a little stressed because, you know, he knows what can – He's, he's thinking all the, all the things that he might have to protect and stuff, but it was a peaceful group of people. Uh, and it was, uh, 
And like you said, we went saying silent night with a whole bunch of people around a Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're right. It was young, old and multinational colors. Uh, So that was a great event. In fact, I went over to B Christopher's and uh, the staff came out and they said, we've never seen this many people downtown (laughs) at night. So it was a, it was a big deal. Congratulations on that. The, I look forward to more of those. uh, It was great for the community. And, you know, you get folks, it's not just Greensboro. Folks come from all over for that. Um, And the holiday parade the next day, we had that. We had, you know, probably 50,000 people. And I give, I got to give kudos to Jim Melvin, who we have the Macy Day style balloons and the Bryan Foundation funds that. Little known fact, here's some breaking news, Odell. Um, Jim Melvin and I were born on the same day, a few years apart. It's December 24th is our birthday. Wow. I love Christmas. Christmas Eve. So having that and their ambassadors jumped up on the parade or our float, we were waving and they had never been on a float before. Mm. Man, they had a good time waving to everybody. It was fun. Oh, that is great. You know, Bill, let me just real plug, follow something Zach said. You know, Jim Melvin, um, people may know or may not know he's a mentor of mine in some ways uh he told me years ago uh explaining per capita income and all this kind of stuff but years ago jim was talking to me zach and bill and audience about getting a automobile automobile plant in greensboro mega space mega sites all this and i've watched him and again me and jim Listen, me and Jim don't agree on everything, but I respect him and he respects me. And I know when I get that phone call, oh, now, you know, that kind of stuff. But I love him. And I love the fact that when I saw him on the stadium or the platform the other day doing the announcement, I smiled within myself. I smiled within myself to say, you know what? He's getting some of his flowers while he's here. I, um, Jim Melvin is a leader in Greensboro. Um, everyone doesn't agree with him. He's not perfect, but he loves Greensboro and people like him. And he understands and he explains to me, Odell, we have to pass the baton to the next generation. So that Toyota plant, not just because of him, but a lot of people like him behind the scenes, Zach, made it happen, including you. And that's the whole thing on the team effort. Sometimes we can get so much done if we don't care about who gets the credit. So kudos to everyone. And so many people are going to benefit from that plant. And so many different nationalities will come here, all different um, levels of pay. I think my understanding, what I read is that the average job is $64,000 a year. Uh, We believe that maybe more residents will live downtown Greensboro and commute, or we may even have mass transit from Greensboro to that site. I don't know. The, The possibilities are endless. So those are just my random thoughts, Zach, and just want to say thank you. And we don't want to leave out the Jim Melvins of the world. When he's on the 24th, how old would Jim be this year? I should call him up and say, Jim, how old are you now? 200 or what? (laughs) I know I'll be 49. That means Jim will be 88 years old. Wow. Wow. You think about 87, 88 years old. And to your point, he wakes up every day thinking about how he can make a difference. And to, he was steadfast on the mega site and at minimum, because you know how these economic development announcements work. They, they're not going to tell you everything they're going to invest. They're going to tell you the minimum that they'll invest to achieve 
the economic incentives. They're at least going to hire 1,750 people with an average salary of $64,000. That is a game changer in 1,750 lives. Now, if you think about that, those are just the people that work there. Think about what they're going to be able to provide for their families. It's thousands, thousands of people that will be positively affected by something that Jim uh, had the foresight to make happen. Yep. And, you know, I was, I was reading the uh, press release and, you know, the, the plant's not going to be up till 2025. Uh, Jim, then if he's 88 now, he's going to be in his nineties. Mm-hmm. And, and by the time they get production up and running uh, to the capacity they want, you know, he may not be around. He, he did that. I got a feeling he's going to cut the ribbon before he goes anywhere. I, I agree. I agree. They should get, <laughs> let him do that. The, I went to the Toyota plant in Georgetown, Kentucky. Uh, I run down there and pick up some bourbon every year. And uh, I said, I'm going to go see back that. some bill. Come on. Yeah. Well, we take care of you. We, we've got some Boy Scout bourbon we can give you. We get a, a barrel of Buffalo Trace every year for the Boy Scouts and they bottle nice. it. So I'll, I'll drop one down at your office maybe and uh, for your birthday. There you go. Yeah. But anyhow, uh, so I went through this plant tour and I, I teach uh, lean business practices and continuous improvement. And I had, you know, studied a couple things, you know, obviously Toyota was one of the big lean manufacturers. So they give you a tour. And when you go on a tour, they put you in a bus that's kind of like uh, Disney World and they drive you around the plant. And that you talk to people and uh, some of the interesting things that I asked, and I wanted to get an idea how many people they had. It's 6,500 people working there. And I said, what's your turnover rate? Now, turnover rates tell you if you have a high turnover rate, there's something going on in the organization that's not working because people are coming and going, coming and going. They said, if we get to 0.9%, we're concerned. That's unbelievable. People go and live and stay there and work. And it's a lot of it's because of the culture that they've developed and people want to go there. Generations of people want to go there. Uh, They gave us one little example of something that they did. Guy was in his late fifties and he had to work on the, they work in pods. They rotate jobs every couple hours so they don't get tired. And it keeps, plus it uh, reinforces that if somebody's not in that day, everybody knows everybody else's job. So um, he, he had to work on the inside and put something on the dashboard. And so he had to, the doors were off, but he had to climb in, put this thing on the dashboard and then climb out and get another part and do that. And, you know, he's hurting his back. So he was a bass fisherman and he had one of these chairs in his bass boat that swiveled in and out. And he said, you know, if we could figure this out, I could swivel in, swivel out, swivel in. So he went to the engineers and said, hey, I have an idea. And they said, let's try it. And they, they didn't poo-poo it. They actually did it, and it worked so well. There, there, there were swivels all over the all over the plant that people were doing to save them. And you know, little things like that. You start listening to your employees, and that's what's the beauty of Toyota coming here. They're going to bring those cultures with them, and on top of the jobs. So it's it's a great story. I, I understand we might be getting something with the airlines uh, and uh, air, air, airplane manufacturer. I heard something about that. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to ask you to break the news on that one. That That's still under wraps, but it's getting but I would tell you, I, I would tell you that pay attention in January. Okay. Good to hear that, folks. There might be another big announcement coming up soon, too. Okay, good. Well, well Bill, let me ask Zach something. Zach, when you talk about your campaign, 
what's what's your campaign theme? What's your slogan? And then Bill's gonna ask you about common ground. But but you you're doing all this stuff that you like, but I still have a need to serve my community because with all the success you have, you don't need to go back into politics. What's your campaign? What's your why? And we'll leave it at that. And then Bill will ask you about your common ground. You know, I'll tell you, my campaign slogan um, is experience matters. Uh, I think what we need is experience. Uh, you know, the why uh, is my kids. My, my wife was always in, in encouraging me um, to, to she, she knew I love to represent and, and help others. Another why is a, a friend of mine named Ray Trapp. Uh, Ray uh, is, a, is a great person. He worked at North Carolina A&T. He's a former county commissioner. And he was on my board at downtown Greensboro. And I called him because I wanted him to be on my executive board. And he said, Zach, I, I got some news for you. And Ray moved from Greensboro and a great job working with a great university, working with a great chancellor. And he moved out of town. And I thought to myself, we can't lose Ray. We can't lose these folks. We have got to do everything we can to roll up our sleeves and make Greensboro the best place to live with the best opportunities possible so that folks don't have to leave Greensboro to seek those opportunities. And my passion of economic development, my passion and experience for building community, which is what we've done in downtown Greensboro, I think is what Greensboro needs now. And so when I look at it, uh, I'm not moving from Greensboro. I want to make sure Greensboro has what my kids want. Uh, and so I want to make sure that my experience uh, is, you know, back at the forefront of the city council. Great. Well, wow. When you think about the hotels and the uh, parking decks and all that kind of stuff, Bill, Greensboro's changing. I mean, what, what do we have? Three or four new hotels in the last couple of years. So it's amazing. Bill, on to you, sir. Okay. Zach, we're getting near the end here, and we know you have to go, but we always ask our guests, how do they find common ground? And then we give you the last word. You know, common ground, uh, revert back to just thinking about it's the holiday season. You know, it's the holiday season. You know, we it, there's a song, um, I think, of Stevie Wonder, and I think of Ray Charles. Um, when There's a couple of songs that they have about One Day at Christmas by Stevie Wonder. It's a phenomenal song, and it talks about people being equal. And One Day at Christmas, uh, men will be boys. And if you think about the joy of the holidays, why can't that last year round, which is part of Ray Charles's song. The Spirit of Christmas is the name of that song. And, you know, if we can just take the joy of Christmas and, and, and make it last year round, you know, loving one another, treating others with respect, treating others with dignity, and, and, and just understanding that we're all in this together. Um, and, and as far as common ground, have those conversations. Odell and I are talking about going to get coffee. We get coffee you know, every once in a while. Um, you know, reach out, learn from others. That's the way you get common ground. That's the way we build that community. 
Well said. Oh, that's well my said. phone. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's your phone. Oh, damn, you're ringing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Zach, we uh, we appreciate you being on the show and uh, being part of this this journey that we're taking with this podcast. We've had some great guests on, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in City Council. And I look forward to delivering a bottle of bourbon to you. Thank you. And you know. Gentlemen, what you guys are doing and bringing folks together and having conversations is important. Um, this is another way to find the common ground. And, and you know, I thank you all for having me on today. Uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation uh, in actual face-to-face conversations. Uh, Merry Christmas to whatever you celebrate. Um, happy holidays, and let's keep the conversations going. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, executive producer. Jeremy Powell, creative director. Jacob Sutherland, director. All rights reserved. Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 Chief Financial Officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events. Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulated and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years.